Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. The show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Hello, I'm Marina Yevshan, co-host of the Russia-Ukraine War Report podcast, and today is January 9, 2024. It's been 3,634 days since Russia's illegal occupation of Crimea on January 27, 2014 and one year and 319 days since Russia expanded its war of aggression against Ukraine. Today's podcast looks at events that happened yesterday. During the podcast, you can use a Russia-Ukraine war map to help you visualize the areas discussed, and there is a link in the podcast description. The Russia-Ukraine war report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from our direct contacts and journalists in Ukraine, the Russian Ministry of Defense and the Ukrainian General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine Morning Reports, Operational Commands North, South and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geospatial experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mill bloggers and social media channels with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission – the truth. Because the truth matters. Let's start with the daily assessment, which has some updates from yesterday. 1. Our assessment that Russia would withdraw most vessels of the Black Sea Fleet from occupied Crimea after the missile attack on Feodosia was accurate. 2. We maintain it is unlikely that the United States will provide additional military or financial aid to Ukraine in 2024. 3. The continued impasse in the United States Congress to provide additional military aid to Ukraine and the passive response to Russian kinetic and hybrid aggression is contributing to Russia's expanding access with North Korea and Iran and global hybrid warfare. 4. We maintain that armed forces of Ukraine are facing critical ammunition shortages that are directly impacting the ability to maintain existing defensive lines. 5. We maintain that Ukrainian forces no longer have the combat potential to engage in any offensive operations, and Russian troops are capable of additional tactical success and achieving limited operational goals. 6. The reduction in Ukrainian combat potential is a direct result of blocked aid from the United States and the European Union. 7. Russian forces have established an operational objective to capture Chasiv Yar, west of Bakhmut. 8. Russian commanders have put mission objectives over all other considerations and are committed to capturing the Avdiivka salient, regardless of the cost. 9. We maintain that combat that closely resembles World War I trench warfare versus 21st-century combined arms maneuver warfare will continue through meteorological winter, which ends on February 29, 2024. 10. While the possibility of an intentional nuclear accident caused by Russian occupiers at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant remains low, 
the threat should be taken seriously. We are very troubled by the latest report from the International Atomic Energy Agency and the lack of international attention. Starting in Kharkiv and Luhansk. In the Kupinsk area of operation, or AO, in Kharkiv region, despite the weather, positional fighting continued north of Sinkivka with no change to the situation. The Russian Ministry of Defense, or ARMOD, reported that Ukrainian forces were on the offensive near Ivanivka. The Information Resistance Group of Ukraine stated that Russia was sending additional reinforcements to the Kupiansk region. The force size is measured in companies or battalions and isn't expected to improve Russian combat potential significantly. Russian missile strikes on Kharkiv and the settlement of Zmiv killed one and wounded five. In Zmiv, the body of a pensioner was recovered from the rubble of their home, and two more were found with serious injuries. In Luhansk, northwest of Kremina, mutual positional fighting continued east of Terny, near the Luhansk-Donetsk administrative border. There was no change in the situation. In occupied Rubizhne, a Fab 250SE UMPK glide bomb accidentally struck one of the few surviving apartment buildings in the occupied settlement. From March to June 2022, Russian forces turned the southern half of the town to rubble. After initially denying there were injuries, occupation officials reported that the wounded were being treated, and the unintended bomb release is under investigation. Continuing in the Donbass, it was relatively quiet in northeastern Donetsk. In the Klishivka AO, mutual positional fighting continued north and east of Klishivka and east of Andreevka. In the Toretsk New York AO, Armod claimed Ukrainian forces were on the offensive in the area of Shumy, likely meaning the northwestern edge of occupied Gorlivka. In southwest Donetsk, Ukrainian forces have stabilized the defensive lines in the Avdiivka AO. A quick assessment. This was an improbable military achievement, considering the size of the Russian force that was assembled in October and the near-continuous reinforcements. On the northern flank of Avdiivka, Russian forces attempted to advance toward Novobakhmutivka and deeper into Stepove from the railroad grade without success. Fighting continued northeast of the Avdiivka coke plant compound and south of the Terekin, with no change in the situation. East of Avdiivka, positional fighting and harassment attacks continued near the industrial zone of southeastern Avdiivka. Russian forces have not been able to achieve their operational goals in this region after making tactical gains in November. Ukrainian forces still hold some of the heights west of Kashtanove. On the southern flank of Avdiivka, positional fighting was ongoing in the Vodyane, Severne and Tonenke no-man's land. Russian forces continue to be unable to advance past the defensive lines they established last year. Fighting also continued in eastern Parvomaiske and east of the Ukrainian firebase at Nevelske. West of occupied Fedorivka, a Russian Terada II electronic warfare complex was destroyed by a rocket fired by HIMARS, likely in late 2023. The video was released yesterday and we'll link to it in our situation report. There is a link in the podcast description. Development of the Terada II started in 2001 and it was first deployed in 2019. Russia claims that the EW complex can jam satellite communications. 
and the Marinkaya geolocated videos confirmed the location of Russian troops east of Georgievka near the fishing pond dam. Claims by Russian propagandists of fighting in the center of Georgievka are false. The general staff of the armed forces of Ukraine reported shelling in Marinka, but there was no evidence of a Ukrainian advance back into the northwest edge of the destroyed settlement. In the Vogledareyo, Russian forces suffered significant losses south of Novomikhailivka. In the Staromlinivka Ayo, Armod claimed that Ukrainian forces were on the offensive north of Pryudne on the Donetsk-Zaporizhia administrative border, while a prominent Russian mail blogger claimed Russian forces were on the offensive in the same area. Near occupied Mariupol, Ukrainian insurgents destroyed ongoing work on a railroad bridge that would have crossed the Kalmyus River east of Granitne. Russia is building a railroad line parallel to the T-512 highway that, if completed, would connect occupied Crimea to Rostov-on-Don. Fighting continued in Zaporizhia. New open-source intelligence confirmed that Russian forces had advanced north from the Surovikin line, west of Verbove, while Ukrainian forces made a small advance northwest of the settlement. The general staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, and Armod reported mutual fighting south of Robotene, with no territorial control changes claimed. The city of Zaporizhia was hit by Russian missiles, wounding five people. Apartment buildings and critical infrastructure were damaged in the attack. In the Khersonio, fighting continued in the forests south of Krynke and on the edge of the settlement. A Russian company of mechanized infantry was completely destroyed by Ukrainian naval infantry, supported by Robert Madyar Brovdi and the birds of Madyar drone operators. A geolocated video showed a Russian T-72 tank practically vaporized after being hit by a first-person view one-way drone. We link to the video in our situation report and congratulate the Russian tank crew on their recent promotion to cosmonaut. In occupied Crimea, new satellite images confirm that most of the Black Sea fleet has been transferred to the Russian port of Novorossiysk in the Krasnodar Krai region. Ten out of 14 vessels capable of launching caliber cruise missiles are now positioned at the port. The withdrawal from Sevastopol and Feodosia happened after successful strikes by uncrewed surface vessels and Storm Shadow cruise missiles between August and December 2023. Those attacks sunk or destroyed several vessels, including three Project 775 large landing ships and a Kilo-class submarine. In western and central Ukraine, the Ashan hypermarket in Krivirik Dnipropetrovsk was destroyed by a Russian missile attack. Multiple missiles struck the city as well as the settlement of Novomoskovsk. One person was killed and another 28 wounded, including four children. In the Khmelnytska oblast, multiple Russian missiles targeted military and industrial facilities in and near Khmelnytsky. Two people were killed and an apartment building was heavily damaged. Here's the situation on the Russian front. 
Last year, Russian propagandists warned that Europeans would be freezing without heat, have no food to eat and suffer from shattered economies. A year later, tens of thousands of Russians are freezing without heat, can't find chicken or eggs and are complaining about spiraling inflation. In the Belgorod region, Shebekina was shelled in the morning and reportedly was attacked by drones. Russian officials claim ten Smerch rockets fired at Belgorod by multiple launch rocket systems, also known as MLRS, were shot down. Falling debris wounded three people. Near Volgograd, in the village of Veliki Moritz, the remains of a Russian KH-101 cruise missile were found in a field. The missile was likely launched at Ukraine on January 8 and failed in flight. In Nizhny Tagil in the Sverdlovsk region, a small explosive device attached to a fuel train by partisans exploded near the Sandonata railroad station. Several other devices were found on other rail cars and railroad tracks, prompting a shutdown of the rail line and blocking service from the Neftibaza fuel depot. In response to the attack, Russian security forces set up roadblocks and were searching every car exiting Nizhny Tagil. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers and analysts is funded by readers, listeners and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Malcontent News. Now on to theater-wide events. On January 8, Russia launched 59 missiles and drones at Ukraine, with 18 intercepted by air defenses. The attack included eight Shahid-136 and two 38 one-way drones, seven S-300 anti-aircraft missiles used for ground attack, four KH-47 Kinjal air-to-surface ballistic missiles, 24 KH-101 cruise missiles, eight KH-22 anti-ship cruise missiles, six Iskander-M or North Korean-sourced KH-23 short-range ballistic missiles, and two KH-31P anti-radiation air-to-surface missiles. Ukrainian air defenses only had a 35% success rate against viable targets, intercepting 18 KH-101 cruise missiles and the eight Shahed UAVs. Missiles had critical civilian, industrial and military facilities and infrastructure, but did not appear to target energy production facilities specifically. Air Force officials said the low interception rate was not caused by limited ammunition, but by an overwhelming number of ballistic missiles attacking in areas not protected by the Patriot or IRST air defense systems. You may have noticed a new weapon has entered the chat, the Shahid-238 one-way drone. Ukrainian air defenses shot down a turbine-powered Shahed known as the 238, which was flying at over 500 km per hour. Moving on to assessment. The first confirmed use of a Shahid-238 is going to complicate Ukrainian air defenses, as manually guided short-range air defense systems will have a much harder time tracking and striking the faster drone. Today's attack also confirms that Iran and Russia have sorted out the issues the Shahed drones had when operating in cold weather. Ukrainian air defenses are likely engaging in more assessment before firing at targets, 
with continued United States aid and, with it, new supplies of interceptor missiles in doubt. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky thanked his partners, nation and rescuers during his evening address while adding that, quote, 45 people were injured and, as of this time, four deaths are known. My condolences to family and friends. The terrorist state will certainly feel our response. Thank you to everyone in the world who helps Ukraine. Thank you to everyone in Ukraine who cares about their neighbors and our entire state. Unquote. The British news publication The Financial Times claimed that improvements in Russian electronic warfare systems are reducing the accuracy of rockets for the HIMARS systems and GPS-guided 155mm Excalibur artillery rounds. Quote, Moscow also used its EW capabilities to simulate the launch of missiles and drones in order to destroy the air defense systems of Ukraine by determining their location, said a representative of GSAFU Ivan Pavlenko. The main defense intelligence directorate of the Ministry of Defense of Ukraine, or UHUR, reported they hacked the Special Technological Center Company of Russia and received 100 gigabytes of classified information. The data reportedly includes information on the Orlan series of drones, electronic warfare systems and intelligence-gathering equipment. After today's missile attack on Ukraine, U.S. President Joe Biden called on Republicans in Congress to approve the 2024 omnibus budget and supplemental package for border security and military aid for Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan, the Philippines, and humanitarian aid for Palestinians. Quote, now, Congressional Republicans must do their job, stop threatening to shut down the government and fulfill their basic responsibility to fund critical domestic and national security priorities, including my supplemental request. It's time for them to act. Unquote. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz called on other European countries to increase their military aid commitments to Ukraine. Europe must demonstrate that it stands on the side of Ukraine, on the side of freedom, international law and European values. Scholz added that Germany in absolute dollars is providing half of all the military aid to Ukraine that comes from Europe. What's happening in the land of Mobix, mobilization and Mir, other than the quest to find inexpensive eggs and fresh chicken? Russian Colonel Arman Aspanov, commander of the Air Assault or VDV Armored Forces of the Russian 104th Division, was killed in action at Kozachi Lahiri, west of Krynke and between the Ukrainian bridgeheads on the left bank of the Dnipro and Konka rivers. Colonel Aspanov was reportedly personally supervising the recovery of a Russian BTR-82A armored personnel carrier using a BRAM recovery vehicle when it came under artillery fire. Officially, it's claimed Aspanov was killed when he stepped on a landmine. We believe the Russian Channel version of him being killed during a recovery effort using a BRAM holds more weight because we received a video last week showing a Russian recovery vehicle being destroyed in an artillery strike. Regardless of the reason, the death of Aspanov at the forwardmost line of friendly troops or flot indicates that Russian commanders are facing increasing issues with orders being understood or followed. Typically, the loss of senior officers paralyzes a unit for up to two weeks because of the Russian military command structure. 
Using OSINT, 3,373 Russian officers have been confirmed as killed in action since February 24, 2022, including 82 colonels. Ukrainian drone operators were watching Russian troops occupy advanced positions that Ukrainian troops were forced to withdraw from due to a lack of ammunition. The advancing Russian light infantry was attacked by rockets fired by MLRS by their own troops and suffered significant losses. We link to the video. Serbian Dejan Beric, an ally of President Putin, complained to the Russian leader that the commanders of the 119th VDV regiment were abusing Serbian volunteers. Beric claimed that before New Year the Serbians were ordered to storm Ukrainian positions with limited ammunition and no artillery support. When the Serbians refused, they were declared deserters. It is reported that relatives of the missing crew members of the Project 775 large landing ship Novocherkask, which was destroyed in Feodosia, have been asked for DNA samples. 33 crew are officially listed as missing. British intelligence suggested that Russian President Putin has re-established Smirsh, created by dictator Joseph Stalin in 1941. Smirsh combined three counterintelligence agencies within the Red Army that were tasked with counter-terror activity. They also sought out anti-Soviet elements within the military, investigated traitors and deserters, and audited former prisoners of war. The Kremlin has used the language and imagery of the Great Patriotic War to maintain public support for the so-called Special Military Operation. While there has not been a formal announcement the counterintelligence group has been reborn, Russian soldiers have been observed wearing unit patches with the Smirsh insignia. While the podcast script team was on a break, the Situation Report team added a new section called Putin's Purge. In this section we discuss activity happening in the Russian Federation that is enabling Putin to tighten his grip and become a full-blown dictator. The first deputy chief of the General Staff of Russia, Lieutenant General Vladimir Alexeyev, was dismissed. In June 2023, Alexeyev was one of two Russian generals who appealed to the leader of the private military company Wagner Group, Evgeny Prigozhin, to stop his insurrection. The other was since-dismissed General of the Army Sergei Surovikin. The dismissal came 24 hours after reports claimed that Alexeyev's efforts to integrate former PMC Wagner mercenaries into units led by the main defense intelligence of the Ministry of Defense of Russia, or GRU, were floundering. The so-called volunteer units, used mostly for human wave attacks, reportedly were suffering from low morale and tight supplies of ammunition and fuel. You'd almost think that the Kremlin is eliminating all of the surviving Wagnerites like I said they would last fall. Nastya Ivleyeva's naked party has not left the news cycle. If you missed this story while we were on a break, there was a party in Moscow where a significant number of moderately famous people were close to naked. There's been a lot of political fallout. Nikolai Vasilyev, better known as Russian rapper Vesho, who just finished spending 15 days in jail under suspicion of spreading LGBT extremism for attending the party dressed wearing only one sock, use your imagination, was ordered to report to the military commissariat. It's unclear why the order was given, as Vasilyev was already labeled as unfit for military service. 
Zoya Kanavalova, the editor-in-chief for the Russian state media TV and radio broadcast company Kubany, was found dead in her home, along with her husband, from apparent poisoning. Kanavalova is the second senior editor in a month to die under mysterious circumstances. Finally, we close with geopolitics and economics. The commander-in-chief of the armed forces of Sweden has joined the growing list of European leaders who believe their citizens need to prepare for war. Mikhail Budin and the Minister of Civil Defense Karl Oskar Bolin told the Swedish news publication The Local that peace is not a, quote, constant, and even in Sweden it, quote, has become more dangerous than ever, unquote. While neither believes that war is inevitable, they both called for strengthening the armed forces of Sweden. The Finnish government is considering keeping the border with Russia closed. Finland initially closed its border crossing in November due to hybrid warfare tactics launched by Moscow, using undocumented migrants to overwhelm immigration officials and fuel isolationist politics. Helsinki is concerned that reopening the crossing will enable Russia to send, quote, large numbers of asylum seekers to cross the border into Finland, unquote. Finally, the Russian Central Bank started selling reserve foreign currency from the National Welfare Fund to create additional artificial demand for the ruble to prop up the Russian currency. And that's today's update. Your support of my home, Ukraine, helps us make history and protect the future for all. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.